I'm Nitsan. And I'm Adam. And we're from Stories from the Eastern West. Like just about every other podcast out there, we often have some absolutely mind-blowing tape that we just can't fit into the episode we're working on. That's why this year we're launching a mini-series in the Stories from the Eastern West feed. It's called Rabbit Holes. They're short pieces that dig into something interesting that somehow didn't fit into the main story, but was too good to leave out and not tell you about. The first of these mini digressions is about professional sports. You might figure things have changed over the years, but not like this. Compared to what it was like behind the Iron Curtain in the 1970s and 80s, today's sports scene is a paradise. We didn't get a chance to really go into it in our episode Arm, but we just had to share with you the unbelievable descriptions from Władysław Kozakiewicz, the pole vaulter who dominated the event for nearly a decade. roku byłem skoczyłem przypadkowo akurat w Gdynie wynik, który dał mi pierwsze miejsce na świecie. Nie rekord świata, ale pierwsze miejsce. In 1973 I became the number one pole vaulter in the world. I didn't break the world record, but I was leading the world rankings. And of course, the Polish government started priding itself a lot on sports because there wasn't much else for them to be proud of. Startowaliśmy, no, dla nas była przyjemność. And us athletes started touring Europe and other places, and we were very happy about getting to travel because most Poles couldn't do that. During the communist regime, people didn't have the freedom to travel abroad. They had passports, but they were kept in some government warehouse somewhere, completely out of sight. Every time you wanted to go somewhere, you had to ask the appropriate office to give you your passport back. Getting rejected was pretty common. It was so difficult that most people never even bothered trying to go abroad. Exceptional athletes were the rare exception. We could travel all the time. We still needed visas, but we went abroad much, much more than normal people. Other than passports, money also prevented people from leaving the country. We couldn't take Polish money abroad, but you couldn't get it exchanged anywhere anyway. We couldn't bring foreign currencies back to Poland either. The Polish złote just couldn't be legally exchanged for other currencies, and vice versa. Poles were stuck with it, for use in Poland and nowhere else. But then nobody gave us any money. Like when I competed in events somewhere in Italy, I was just given a glass platter, a piece of sculpted glass. Kozakiewicz says it was so useless and heavy that he kept trying to leave it behind somewhere. But there was always someone around who reminded him not to lose it. To this day, he still has it. Yes, he does. And up until the 1970s, professional athletes were not paid for taking part in competitions, not even when they won them. They just get strange prizes like the platter. Coffee machines. Not like the button things we have today, but an old filter one. We went on this trip with five or six events and I had to take three coffee machines as prizes. You can imagine my luggage at the end of the trip. My equipment, clothes, poles, each of them five meters long. And then, uh, hey, three coffee machines? Where was I supposed to fit it? There was just no money in selling them either because it was illegal too. But then, who would have bought them anyway? Outdated coffee machines weren't the most absurd prizes an athlete could win. One shot put winner got something even stranger with his gold medal. 
Władek Komar kiedyś na starcie. Władek Komar won an event in Scotland and he got a pig, an actual pig. Like a big piglet, a live one. <laughs> you can imagine what it was like trying to drag that back home. Money did start leaking into communist sports, but very slowly. First, as food allowances. Abroad, we couldn't even afford a can of Coca-Cola. Sure, food was provided in the hotels we stayed at, but we didn't have money to just buy a Coke or water at a gas station on the way there. We started complaining about it and later they'd give us pocket money, like $35 a day for food and accommodation. So, no money for competing nor winning, meager allowances, How did professional athletes earn a living? Well, on paper, they usually had factory jobs, but they were mostly fictional. The factories involved in those pretend jobs usually sponsored the sports clubs the athletes represented. I had a full-time position at the shipyard And I got as much money as an ordinary worker doing something menial. My official post was tool collector. They said I would collect tools left around the factory by engineers and put them back on their hooks. How much could anybody make doing that? I made very little. We weren't starving, but I couldn't help my family. At the same time, my brother, who had a real job at the shipyard as an electrician, made much more money. Even though I was the best pole vaulter in the world at the time. Ja, ja byłem najlepszym tyczkarzem świata, można sobie wyobrazić. Ja nie uzbierałem w sumie, jak By the end of my career in Poland, I saved just enough money to build a house. But building a house in the 80s in Poland only cost $7,000. That's all I would ever been able to save. My whole life, just $7,000. Can't say I was rich, can you? If you think about how much money there is in sports today, it's absolutely unbelievable what athletes had to go through to play sports back then. And it was only 40 years ago. And that's how we lived from day to day. But I did get incredible pleasure in winning from being the best. I felt appreciated, respected. I felt people needed me and that meant more to me than anything else. Stories from the East and West is produced by Culture PL and was hosted by Adam Żuławski and me, Nitzan Reisner. This episode was written, produced and scored by Wojciech Oleksiak and edited by Adam Żuławski. Many thanks to Joachim Cicierski for becoming Władysław Kozakiewicz's English voice. The funky tune you heard throughout this bonus episode was by DJ Spike and Break the Funk. If you want to see notes from this episode, tap the show art in your app or go to sftew.com. We've got lots of interesting extras on there. Catch you in two weeks.